You are listening to Randolph EMC Reconnect, a podcast keeping member owners in touch with their cooperative. And now here's your host, communications and public affairs manager, Nicole Arnold. Welcome back to Reconnect, the Randolph Electric podcast. I am your host, Nicole Arnold. And today I have the distinct pleasure to have with us Mark Hensley. Mark is the executive director of Randolph Senior Adults Association, and I've invited him to the show to talk about the impact that Randolph Senior Adults Association has in the community. And the reason why we're interested in that is because we partner, we at Randolph Electric partner with Randolph Senior Adults Association through a grant program that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Nicole. I'm I'm excited to be with you on Reconnect. Now, I have had the privilege of hearing you talk about Randolph Senior Adults Association in the past, but for our members who maybe have not, I would like to hear about how long you've served with Randolph Senior Adults Association and its mission. And if you'll just tell us a little bit about that, that'd be great. Absolutely. Um, Nicole, I, I've just celebrated my fourth year of service as the executive director here at Randolph Senior Adults. This is actually a second career for me. Uh, I retired in July of 2018 after a 38-year career in banking. And after a whopping two months of retirement, uh, I was back in the workforce uh, when I joined Randolph Senior Adults in September of 2018 as its executive director. The mission here at Randolph Senior Adults is to empower adults age 50 and older in Randolph County toward a life of personal independence, healthy aging, social connection, and lifelong learning. Uh, so really, there's there's four aspects of that mission that we try to meet every day, which is providing personal independence, healthy aging, social connection, and lifelong learning. Another aspect of that, I'm often asked, at what age uh, would you consider someone to be a senior adult that I can participate with Randolph Senior Adults? From the mission statement, uh, we listed 50 and older, and that's true. Uh, all of our activities that we offer out of our uh, senior centers, you need to be 50 years of age and older. However, for the meal programs, which uh, is one of the areas we're most well known for, you must be at least 60 years of age. Okay, that. That's very good information. I, I know that we have folks here who volunteer. And do you call that Meals on Wheels, Mark, that program? We do. We, there's actually uh, two types of meal programs. One is called Meals on Wheels, and that's the one that most folks are familiar with. And for a client to receive a Meals on Wheels meal, they must be at least 60 years of age and homebound, meaning they're not uh, out and about. They're not ambulatory anymore. Uh, they're pretty much confined to their home. And those meals are served by community volunteers. And then we have a second meal program called congregate meals. And those are meals where our clients, again, are 60 years of age, but these are clients that are still able to get out and about in the community. And they come into one of our five senior centers and eat their meal with us and participate in activities in one of our five senior centers. That's excellent. Okay, so Randolph Senior Adults Association, let's talk a little bit about its history and, and of course, through your eyes, but how long has Randolph Senior Adults Association been an organization in Randolph County? 
Yes, the, Randolph Senior Adults was originated in 1975, so we're, we just celebrated our 47th year of providing wow. service to senior adults. Coming up on 50 years. That's amazing. Exactly. We're looking forward to uh, three years from now having a 50-year celebration, and uh, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are one of the 17 member agencies of the United Way of Randolph County, so uh, if you are a supporter of the United Way in Randolph County, we're one of the 17 agencies that is a benefactor of of your uh, generous uh, gifts. A lot, a lot of folks uh, think that we're a part of Randolph County government. As a matter of fact, our name used to be Randolph County Senior Adults Association. And a few years back, we actually removed the word county because folks felt like, oh, you're part of county government, therefore you don't need financial support. Yes. The right. local the local government finances all of that. And so we made that change. Also, it's simply a long title for a name and, and it helped us in that regard. But it is, yes. But that is a misconception. That's I'm glad that you pointed at that out that the Senior Adults Association is not a branch of the county government. That's exactly right. We we really focus on three areas of service. One is through our five senior centers. Most folks aren't aware that we actually have five locations in Randolph County. We have one in Archdale, Ashboro, Liberty, Randleman, and then we have an adult daycare facility, Our Place Adult Daycare, which is also lo- located in Ashboro. So meals and activities uh, are, are generated through those five centers. We also run our cats transportation in Randolph and Montgomery counties. As you and your listeners are aware, there's no public transportation in either of those counties. And so our cats uh, attempts to fill that void. And, and one of the things we might talk about, about a little bit later is our plans for expansion of our cat services. And then the third primary area that we serve is through a team called information and options counseling. And that's our group that, works with seniors on senior health insurance information, uh, such as Medicare. Uh, We provide caregiver support uh, where we're supporting those individuals in our community that are caring for a loved one. Uh, We do uh, the Operation Heat Relief, which is a fan program in the summer where we provide box fans to seniors who don't have uh, adequate cooling uh, for some of our very hot and humid uh, summer months. And this group is also kind of the central resource. When somebody calls in and says, I need help with my parent or my grandparent and really don't know where to turn, this is the the group that is well-versed in what this community has to offer and can help direct those. It could be something we could assist with, but it might be another organization or agency that we need to refer them to. So that group handles a lot of of those types of general inquiries. And so those are the three major categories of service we provide. That's excellent, Mark. I'm I'm very appreciative that you took the time to go through those different um, programs that Randolph Senior Adults Association provides, because we may have some members here who are listening, who are located in Randolph County, who need those types of services. So um, at the end of this show, they may want to reach out to your staff and see how to get plugged in. Uh, I wanted to talk about you just for a little bit more before we get uh, into a little bit more program mission-minded type activities. And I wanted to ask, what brought you in particular to 
the Randolph Senior Adults Association. I know you said that you were retired for two whole months and that was enough, but how exactly did you make your way to the Senior Adults Association? Great question, Nicole. The while I had uh, been in, in my banking career, um, especially twenty, we, we moved to Randolph County twenty-one years ago uh, to work for a bank, a local bank. And ever since moving here, I have tried to be active within the community, being involved in numerous um, boards and committees, to simply be a good um, community partner. And it was my desire to to serve and to help with areas of need in the community. So upon my retirement from banking, I actually told my wife, you know, if something came along in a nonprofit world uh, where I could feel like I could help make a difference uh, and work with a good team of individuals serving in the community, I would really entertain that. And what's interesting is I had been retired for a full two weeks when I received a phone call about, Randolph Senior Adults, uh, you know, timing is everything, as they say, and the former executive director had resigned, and uh, someone who was involved with the search committee reached out to me, and so what do you think? So two weeks into my retirement, we started having conversations, and and over the course of several weeks, uh, we went through that process, and and two months later, I was... uh, at Randolph Senior Adults, and it's a very different environment from the banking world, uh, obviously, um, yeah. and and so it's something that, you know, obviously, I came in while knowing a little bit about the nonprofit organizations I had I had served with. I really hadn't been involved in the day to day of leading that. Fortunately for me, we had a, an incredibly strong uh, leadership team here and dedicated staff that their focus is on how do we continue to serve senior adults in our community. Um, One of the things I would share with you, Nicole, and your listeners, is that Randolph County is also an aging community. Uh, If you go back a few years, uh, Randolph County issued its strategic plan in in 2015. Uh, And it said for the next 15 years, um, starting with 2016 through 2031, those 15 years, 99% of the population growth in Randolph County would be ages 65 and older, which wow. is just a 99%. phenomenal, that's a phenomenal st- statistic to yes. think about. And so uh, we have a really dedicated team here that, that first of all, helped me get up to speed in, in how we can best serve seniors. But secondly, the the need is great, and it continues to grow every single day. Every day, we have a senior reaching out saying, hey, uh, can I participate in the meal program? Or how do I get signed up to ride RCATs to go to my doctor's appointments? Or can you help me with Medicare open enrollment? Because I really don't understand the website Mm -hmm. or what I'm supposed to do. So every day, we have new clients reaching out to us that need assistance. Uh, and it's it's needed in a community that's, that is considered to be an aging community. Well, like, as you said, the need is great. I'm sure that it's very rewarding work and we certainly appreciate the volunteers and the staff who work there who help this community. I wanted to talk a bit about how Randolph Electric and Randolph Senior Adults Association intersect. And that is through our Sharing Success Community Grants Program. 
So every year, Randolph Electric advertises that we will give away what we call sharing success community grants. And these are grants that are meant for 501c3, and that means charity, public charity type organizations in our five county area. And I I wanted to speak to you today, Mark, because Randolph Senior Adults Association has done such a phenomenal job of winning these grants. Um, And just for our members who are listening today, I, I need to preface my remarks by saying that this money that we give away comes from Randolph Electric, but it also comes from CoBank, which is a national lender for rural electric utilities like, like we are. And they give away $10,000 a year and then Randolph Electric matches that. Um, this is not part of our PHP Roundup program. So this money actually does not come from members rounding up their bills. That money goes to members in need. Um, but rather the PHP directors do decide where this special fund of money goes. And uh, and Randolph Senior Adults Association provides great grant applications every year with lots of follow through and um, a lot of scrutiny on their side of making sure that you guys are, are doing a great job. And I wanted you to explain to our folks a little bit about what those grants have funded. If, if you don't mind, if you just kind of give us a start, you can start with this year and, and go back a couple of years or however you want to do it, Mark. Absolutely, Nicole. And and once again, uh, Randolph Senior Adults and the senior adults that we serve are so very grateful to Randolph Electric and the People Helping People Sharing Success Community Grant Program. We've been very blessed to have participated uh, for the four years that I've been here. Um, uh, We go back to 2019, and you provided some funding uh, for us to purchase some new computers for our tech lab. We, we actually um, have a tech lab where uh, seniors can um, learn to, to get on the computer or enhance their skills. If you'll remember when we talked about our mission, one of those tenets was lifelong learning. Uh, for many of us, we either grew up using a computer or we learned it through our work. Uh, at a critical juncture, but for many of our seniors, it's still very new and very different. And so that's one of the things we want to focus on. Uh, so you were, were very uh, uh, generous to support us and we were able to purchase some additional uh, computers in the tech lab. In, in 2020 and 2021, uh, your funding through the grant supported our meal programs. And to just to uh, illustrate that, for both years, your funding through the, the Sharing Success Grant Program each year provided 482 meals, or said another way, two individuals would be able to eat for a full year just on the grant funding that came from the, the Sharing Success Program, which is a phenomenal support. It's wonderful. And then this this current year, 2022, just a few months ago, we were very excited to receive notification that that um, we were would be, would be recipients yet again. This year, we took a different approach. One of the things I mentioned earlier uh, that we do is we provide support to caregivers in our communities. And if if you've ever been in a role where you've you've had to care for a loved one who's going through. Uh, a physical disability, or uh, unfortunately, maybe dementia of some sort. That is that is a very difficult role to play. It can be an unforgiving role. 
And for many folks that, that are the sole caregiver, it's essentially 24-7 uh, in your commitment to that loved one. Yes. And so some of the things that people don't think about if you're not involved in that kind of role is that there are various supplies that are needed in caring for that loved one um, uh, related to things like incontinence. Uh, and so the, the, the sharing success grant for this year, we're using for uh, incontinence supplies, washable bed pads, things of this nature. If you sit back and think about the cost of some of these materials, they can be extremely high. And so if we can help provide some of those to the caregivers in our community, it helps ease that burden. And the way we're able to do that is through programs and grants like the Sharing Success. And I, I want to say this, certainly coming from a a banking environment to the nonprofit world, I can truly say that in the nonprofit world, gifts like this, every dollar makes a difference. Um, you know, whether somebody is able to support us with a $10 gift or whether it's $1,000, we're able to utilize those funds to help uh, serve the needs in our community. So when somebody makes a gift, they should always feel um, uh, excited about that to, in the nonprofit world because every dollar does make a difference. Yes, it does. And that's one of the things that sets your application apart, Mark. You guys do an excellent job of putting together a real roadmap of what you're trying to accomplish and how important that is. And I remember um, you guys got on our radar here, especially during COVID, because in 2020, PHP was really looking at trying to reach out to local nonprofits who were helping people with just basic food needs. And, uh, and you guys, of course, were identified for the great work that you do there. But uh, things have changed. And there are still people, of course, struggling with, with their uh, daily food needs. But as we are hopefully, hopefully coming out of COVID a little bit, Mark, what kind of trends are you seeing in community needs? How are they changing a little bit? Well, the, the first thing I would say is what I alluded to earlier is the fact that we serve a growing demographic. The senior adults uh, population of our community continues to grow. So the funding uh, and the resources that we have, say, five years ago or three years ago, uh, to provide meals and transportation and other services uh, activities to senior adults, it's going to take more resources because we serve a growing demographic. The second part of that is, um, unfortunately, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic did create uh, many challenges for every organization, from your local favorite restaurant to large uh, organizations uh, such as Randolph Electric and, and even to nonprofits such as ourselves, We actually, uh, on March 18th of 2020, had to close all five of our senior centers um, due to the pandemic. It's, it's a, a worldwide pandemic is a challenge, as we've all learned. It's an exceptional challenge if the most um, vulnerable to a population is the population you serve. And senior adults were, were identified very early as the most vulnerable population. So we were faced with determining, all right, how do we provide at least the basic services to our, our seniors, even if our five senior centers are closed? And so, again, utilizing a very strong team, 
um, a team that that uh, we kind of took the blinders off and said, "All right, let's 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 think creatively. Let's think about how we can continue to do meals even when our centers are not open. How can we continue to provide transportation through RCATs um, in, in a pandemic?" And one of the things that you learn when you go through something like this is that you put some things in place, maybe that you think are going to be interim. And then when you come out of that, in this case, the pandemic, you go, yeah, that worked pretty well. Yes. Maybe that's a new, way of, a new option for us to do business in that area. Mm-hmm. And so we've we've had some of those things that we implemented during COVID that we're still utilizing today uh, and uh, have helped us uh, continue to serve clients. Because even, even today, we have the occasional uh, client that is uh, that comes or or even staff member that comes down with COVID and, and we, sure. we we react appropriately. One of the things I would I would um, most say about the trends that's been a challenge for us specifically, our Meals on Wheels program, which you mentioned very early uh, in this podcast, Nicole, is extremely um, built upon a, a volunteer base. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we serve about 350 Meals on Wheels meals every day, Monday through Friday. And we ask for community volunteers to run routes. A route may be eight to 12 clients on it. We try to keep it at an hour. So if someone's still working and Mm -hmm. they want to take their lunch hour to serve, then um, they they can get out, do their route, and be back to work within about an hour. The challenge we've seen is that the pandemic has created um, a real um, reluctance for people to volunteer to deliver meals. Mm. And so, um, you know, when we reopened all five of our centers on July 1st of 2021, um, we had enough volunteers to return to a daily hot meal um, out of all of our locations. That was good until the Omicron variant hit in late Mm. last year. And at that time, many of our volunteers stepped back and said, I'm no longer comfortable uh, serving meals. Uh, I'm either worried about taking the virus to a homebound individual or potentially getting the virus from a homebound Mm -hmm. individual. And so that's been really our trend, our challenge over the last almost year is rebuilding our volunteer base. Yes. Yes. That, and I, I've heard from other organizations and it, you know, everyone's facing the same dilemma, but um, I, I can certainly see what, what a tragedy it would be if you had the funds to get the meals and you just can't get them to the people. And, and I know it was a dark day. I remember that day when Randolph senior adults association announced that they were closing the centers. It was a dark day. And it was a very happy day in 2021 when they were reopened. And I, I'm sure um, the population there felt that way too. Uh, the, the folks here, they're participating, they could go back. And um, what, what vital services you guys were, were uh, extending and then had to stop and then extend again. So um, I, I certainly would encourage any member who's listening today, if you're thinking about a place to volunteer and you haven't felt strongly one way or the other, 
they certainly need you at Randolph Senior Adults Association. There are several ways you can be plugged in, but what Mark just described with the Meals on Wheels and um, and Mark certainly does try to make it manageable. Um, and I, I definitely have talked to people who, who actually do this. And so please give him a call if that's something that speaks to your heart today. Mark, I know that you've weathered the storm of COVID. We, we hope that we've weathered it. And of course, there'll be other illnesses. And even now we're seeing a lot of uh, illnesses and flu starting to happen again. Uh, but Randolph Senior Adults Association has done an outstanding job of weathering those storms. I wanted to say thank you for the outstanding work you do in the community. And I, I, I wanted you to talk a little bit about RCATS and the expansion that you're hoping to see in the future. And where is all that going for you guys? Yes, that, that's one of the exciting uh, projects that we're working on uh, with community partners uh, currently. Uh, one of the misconceptions about RCATS transportation uh, is that it's only for senior adults. Uh, there's the, the belief that, well, because it's, it's a division of Randolph senior adults, tra- that transportation is only to help seniors move, uh, go to doctor's appointments or go to the grocery store or whatever. That's certainly a large part of, of our transportation or our trips every day. But at the same time, RCATS is available to every Randolph County citizen and in Montgomery County as well. Um, regardless of age, even even if uh, someone's under the age of 18, as long as they have a parent or guardian to ride with them, they can ride RCATs. So we have individuals that um, maybe are continuing their education at Randolph Community College, and so we can take them on a regular basis to RCC or school. We, we go to uh, the YMCA. We take people, uh, as I mentioned, shopping. We take people to doctor's appointments. And if you don't have reliable transportation, it doesn't matter what age you are, you still need to take care of yourself and your family. So those are some of the things that we do today. And so we try to to break that misconception that it's only for seniors. But the expansion piece that that you brought up has to do with a couple different opportunities. We have been working with the city of Asheboro on a specific route that would run daily Monday through Friday, we would run uh, eight separate times per day, and we would run two vehicles uh, every route. There would be 20 stops on those routes. 11 of them uh, are residential, so everything from apartments to public housing uh, to many of the, the – we would start in north uh, on North Fayetteville up near Arlington Square – the southernmost location would be uh, Randolph Community College. We would go to the Y. We would go to Walmart. Uh, just uh, we go to the hospital, a number of different places so that you could simply go to the stop, get on the vehicle and ride to the destination that you need. You wouldn't need to schedule an appointment or a trip like you do today with uh, RCATS. One of the things about RCATS is that we have the, the knowledge and the expertise to run some of these uh, specialized routes. What we don't have is uh, additional funding for those. So we've reached out to the Ashborough City Council saying if um, filling this uh, public transportation need in the Ashborough community is a high priority, we can run that for you, um, but we would need the funding to do so. And so we're working with the mayor and the city council and the city manager and we're hopeful that they will be able to to find that in their um, their upcoming budget to be able to support what we're calling the Zoo City 
loop. And we would actually brand that. It would still be run by our cats, but it would be with a different name, the Zoo City Loop, a different logo, different branding on our vehicles uh, to help break that misconception that, oh, this is only for seniors. So if, if you lived in an apartment off of North Fayetteville and went to RCC three days a week, you could you could get on the um, the Zoo City Loop. Uh, and ride down to class. And then when your class is finished, there would be other vehicles coming by at regular intervals to to take you back home. So that's that's one uh, area of expansion. Another one that we're looking at is uh, we're very blessed in this community to have the largest zoo in the world in our backyard. That's right. And so one of the things that we're um, looking at is if you come to visit the zoo and you choose to spend the night at one of the hotels in our community, wouldn't it be a great feature if that um, desk clerk could say, oh, you're going to the zoo. Would you like it to have a free shuttle ride to the zoo and then uh, be picked up and brought back? And so we're working with the, co- the community to look at some tor- uh, type of North Carolina zoo shuttle running from area um, uh, hotels you know, um, as as the Randolph, um, I'm sorry, as the North Carolina Zoo grows from two continents to four, mm-hmm. uh, it will be impossible to visit the entire zoo in one day. And so our, all of our hope uh, is that people will begin spending the night. They drove in from Wilmington and they want to come to the zoo and they're going to be here on the weekend and they're spending the night. And if I drove from Wilmington and could find out I could get a free ride to the zoo, I, I don't have to worry about parking I don't really know where I'm going, but somebody will drop me off and pick me up and take me back. Uh, th- we think that that could be a real benefit to the community. And in addition to that, potentially having a, a a service in the evening that would take those same folks or offer to take those same folks into downtown for dinner mm-hmm. uh, and, and events uh, in the community. So th- that's a that's a a program that would probably be during peak season, uh, you know, maybe uh, spring through um, late fall. Um, And uh, we we hope that that's something that would be uh, attractive to the community as well. And then the last piece uh, that we're, we've begun to work on is with Toyota announcing its move to Randolph County through uh, at the mega site, we uh, expect that there will be employees all over Randolph County that will, from day to day, decide, well, that's a really long drive for me. I would really, I wish there was another way for me to get to work there. And so we're looking at some sort of Toyota loop, and we'll be working with Randolph County as well as uh, Toyota themselves on some sort of, of uh, shuttle uh, transportation that would arrive near shift change and drop off folks and then pick up people that had ridden uh, at the beginning of their shift and then take them back into the community. Um, Toyota's made it really clear they do not want any barriers or hurdles that would prohibit employees from going to work there. And again, reliable transportation could could be one of those. And so that's a service that we're just beginning to work on. It's production at, at Toyota won't start until 2025. So we've got time to work on this, but um, with supply chain issues and things of that nature, we have to start now to be ready in, in 2025. So those are three major expansions that we're looking at for RCATs 
that would potentially be rebranded under different names, but would still be run and operated by RCATs that we're very excited about and that we hope could fill uh, some of the public transportation void that we have today in our communities. Those are very exciting plans, Mark. Um, what you've touched on is that our community is changing quite a bit, and it's changing rapidly with these very exciting economic development announcements and uh, all the population that we see, we can foresee coming into downtown Asheboro and the surrounding areas. It's, uh, there, there are a lot of things to plan for. So I'm thankful that we have people like you in our community who see the big picture and who can predict what changes are coming. Um, and of course, you have an excellent track record with Randolph Senior Adults Association. I want to thank you for all that you've done personally to invest in that organization and what you've done for our community. And Mark, if there was a member today who was listening and and he or she thought, you know, I need to pick up the phone and find out about RCATs in Montgomery County or in Randolph County or I need to call about caregiver support, how should they get in touch with Randolph Senior Adults Association? Great question, Nicole. The, the, the first answer I would say is that um, they can call our uh, main number, which is 336-625-3389, and ask about the service that, services that they're most interested in. It could be uh, that they're saying, well, you know, my grandparent lives in uh, the Liberty community, and I would like to find out more information about your services in Liberty. Liberty is one of the areas we have a senior center, so we would give you the contact information for our center director there in the in the phone number, so you could call and talk specifically about what we're doing in the Liberty community. So, but that main number would be a starting point. The other things that we can offer. We have our own uh, website, www.senioradults.org. Uh, so we, we post a lot of, of uh, useful information on our website. We're also uh, on Facebook and Instagram as Randolph Senior Adults Association. So those are all ways that you can learn more about the services that we provide within our communities. Thank you for sharing that, Mark, and thank you for being with us today on this episode of Reconnect. You shared some excellent information that our members need to hear, and I'm so glad that you have the commitment to the community that Randolph Electric shares and that we've been able to partner together on some very important projects. Thanks for being here today. Nicole, again, I want to thank Randolph Electric and the people helping people sharing community grants for your continued support to the senior adults population of Randolph County. We truly appreciate, appreciate all that you've done. And again, as a reminder, every dollar makes a difference to a nonprofit organization. So thank you for all that you do. Okay, everyone, that was Mark Hensley, who is the Executive Director of Randolph Senior Adults Association. In the next segment of our podcast, we'll hear from another important organization that's within the Randolph Electric Footprint. Thank you for listening to this segment of Reconnect, the Randolph Electric podcast. Now I have with us Diane Smith, and Diane is the executive director of the West Chatham Food Pantry, and that is in Siler City, North Carolina. Diane, will you introduce yourself and just tell us how many years you've worked at West Chatham Food Pantry? Yes. Um, thank you, Nicole, for having me on your podcast today. I have been here since the inception of the food pantry, which was in 2007. I had friends who were trying to get this um, nonprofit started. 
and I was really interested in being a part of that. And I have been executive director for the last five years. I retired five years ago from my regular job, which was a medical transcriptionist. I worked for 20 years at Moore Regional Hospital. And when I retired from there, I thought, okay, I'm, I want to give back to my community. So that's how it happened. <laughs> Very good. Now, Diane, what is the core mission of West Chatham Food Pantry? Our mission is to eliminate hunger and the food insufficient in Western Chatham County. Um, We provide this food pantry through a network of faith-based communities, civic organizations, local churches, individuals, and um, other grant opportunities. Excellent, excellent. And the facility is located in Siler City, which is in the western portion of Chatham County. Yes, ma'am. And now, Diane, Tell us a little bit about how the history of your organization came together. You you said that you started in 2007. Is that right? Yes. At the inception of the pantry. Yes. yes. And how, how did that come together in the beginning? I wasn't very involved in the actual organization beginning. I just was a volunteer here. We knew that there was a need for food pantries. And at that time, a lot of the local churches were having food pantries in their own churches where their members would bring food in and give to anyone who needed to be fed. And we realized that was just not enough. We needed something bigger and better to serve more people. And that's what happened. That makes a lot of sense. And you are a volunteer with a capital V in my book. Uh, and, And what I mean by that is that Diane, you're the executive director, but There is no paid staff at West Chatham Food Pantry. Everyone there, including yourself, are volunteers. Is is that right? That's correct. We are. That's amazing. That means that 100% of every dollar is going directly to the people who are receiving the services, who are receiving the food. Yes. That that's that's a big that's a major accomplishment and that that's something really for you to be proud of um, and it makes it makes donors I hope it makes donors feel really good about the money that they're giving or the time that they're volunteering they're giving it directly to the people in need. Yes, Diane, do you have to live if, if you need food services? Do you have to live in Siler City to receive that from West Chatham Food Pantry? Initially, or for many years, we only we limited our services to. Chatham County residents. But lately we have reached out beyond to Randolph County because there are clients who live so close to us that actually reside in Randolph County. And we feel it's more reasonable and easier access for them to come to this pantry than driving 20 more miles to another one. Right. Or right here. Yeah especially with the cost of gas going up and inflation. Yes, and yes. so all of these things add up so very quickly to those in need, of course, to all of us, but um, certainly to those in need, they add up and they mean major sacrifices. Yes. This, this is very good. I, I want our listeners and our members who are listening today to, to recognize that um, 
I came to meet Diane and to find out about West Chatham Food Pantry through our PHP programs. And PHP is, is people helping people. And that is a board of directors of, of seven individuals. And they get together quarterly and they decide, they usually decide uh, how much money is going to go to individual cases of members who are in need within our membership, our Randolph Electric membership. And that is part of our roundup program. So members can round up their bill to the nearest dollar. And then that goes into a separate fund. And that that's just for what we call referrals, the people who've been referred to the PHP board. But once once a year, the PHP board goes through applications. We, we open up in the spring, usually in March, the Sharing Success Community Grant applications. And Diane and, and West Chatham Food Pantry have applied uh, of course, in the past and, and received grants from from uh, the PHP board for the Sharing Success Community Grant. And, I, and just again, with our members, I want to make sure they understand this is not the roundup money that comes from members' bills. Instead, this is money that REMC puts in and we get a matching grant from CoBank, which is a major lender in uh, North America. And so it's, it's a matching grant that goes into a, a separate fund. And those funds... Uh, provide the funds for the Sharing Success Community Grant. And West Chatham Food Pantry, as I mentioned, has has won this award more than once. Um, Diane, I remember you guys coming on our radar in 2020 when the PHP board was especially concerned about food needs uh, during COVID. Right. And that's, that's when I remember you guys first coming on uh, my radar. But tell us a little bit about how you, you have used the PHP Sharing Success Community Grant. Well, as you know, the price of food, the price of food has been skyrocketing all along. It continues to rise. Um, and our clients could not afford healthy meals. A lot of them during that time, the children were at home because they were taken out of school and those children especially needed to eat. They could not perform their school duties without nutritious food and going hungry. So that was, that's a big part of what we use that money for is to feed these clients and their families. Outstanding. A lot of of the clients, parents were, they lost jobs. They had no income and if they have no income, they cannot purchase food. Yes, absolutely. It was a major concern, I know, among the board members and among us all during COVID. And you're exactly right. We saw the same trends. More people were at home. They were using electricity more. They were washing clothes more. Uh, it was. It, it's hard to believe that schools were closed. And we, we lived through all of that, but we certainly did. And of course, many of those students were relying on those meals that they had at school. And now those were gone. So... Um, so if you have somebody in uh, the Randolph County you know, area or the, the Chatham area near the food bank, what do they need to do? What are your hours? How do they, how do they find you? Okay, we do have a Facebook page, West Chatham Food Pantry. We are working on a website right now. We finished part of it and we're trying to um, update it. We have communities and schools per provides us students who need community service to come over and help us volunteer on Mondays. And we have a couple of those students helping us with the website. Um, Anybody can get food 
especially for the first time. We are here for clients on Mondays from 3.30 to 5.30, Wednesdays and Fridays from 12 to 2. We are not strict about the qualifications. We ask that you bring photo IDs or birth certificates for children 18 and under. Proof of residence. We don't ask for proof of your income or expenses, but we ask that you just tell us those figures. We don't require that you prove that to us. If you receive food stamps, you automatically qualify. We we hardly ever turn anyone away. It just if you if you come in here, you need food, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to feed you, and they clients can come every two weeks to get food. Every two weeks. Okay. That that's important because those food stamps don't always last to the end of the month. As we know, the food stamp program is, is it's people are receiving less and less all the time. And and it's costing more and more as as you said. Yes, absolutely. Do you you guys have referrals from local churches? Do do you have folks send, send people your way? Yes. Um, And also Salvation Army has an office here in our same building as well as Chatham Trade. So we also get referrals for, from them. We get referrals from the town. We have the percentage of homeless people in this county is increasing all the time. Uh, we're Chatham County is getting ready to go through some big changes with these industries coming in. So we've got to be ready for that. Yes, that that's a good point, Diane. Our, so Randolph Electric serves five counties. We have we have members in uh, Randolph, Montgomery, Moore, Alamance, and in Chatham. And uh, if there's a common theme among those counties, besides you know a rural nature in in areas of those counties, there certainly is the theme of economic development and change coming along. Yes. Um, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because you you have served with West Chatham since 2007. So you've been there long enough to see some changes in the population. And, and you've already identified one for us, which is that homelessness is is growing. And do you yes. do you know why that is or do you do you see other trends that are feeding into that that are changing the population that you are serving or some changes you've noticed over the years? There are a lot of elderly clients in this county. Um, a lot of clients have to choose between food or medicine. We are having, um, we're seeing people coming from other countries moving here. They don't have jobs. They are not established. They don't have homes. They're living out of their cars or in the woods over mm-hmm. some type of tent or a makeshift tent they are Mm -hmm. living in hotels until they can get established it's just I don't know the real reasons that it's becoming more prevalent but I'm hoping that with these industries coming that will help that problem yes I I do think that we have some positive economic development instances coming in the future and that these may bring some some very positive changes to our community, but we don't want people to fall between the cracks either. Right. And I know that in Randolph County and talking to some nonprofits over there, we're seeing a lot of drug addiction. Yes. Um, the opioid crisis is really having uh, a huge impact in fentanyl and 
you know, the, the deaths that are occurring there and the families that are being ruined, you know, through, through those drug addictions, it's very, very sad and tragic to see. The PHP board has been talking to folks like you and, and like other nonprofits who are trying to reach people where they are. And yes, homelessness is, is a big part of it. And what we don't want to happen, of course, is for, for people to go hungry. So I'm hoping that the members that we have listening to this podcast today will be able to identify uh, people who they can send your way and um, folks who in need of your services, that they'll keep their eyes open for how to get them to, to where you are. You know, Siler City um, has a, a pretty high rate of unemployment yes. and has for years. And I, I know that, you know, all of us in the South have, have suffered from our towns have suffered from the closing of textile mills and the closing of manufacturing concerns and, um, and, you know, rebounding from that, maybe we're on the cusp of seeing some really positive things happen, but in between those times, um, we really do hope that there will be places like the West Chatham food pantry, um, so Diane, would you tell our listeners and our members who are, who are out there, how can they find out more about West Chatham Food Pantry? Should they go to the Facebook page or should they call somebody? Um, if they have, if they have some folks in mind who they need to refer, how can they find out more about your services? Um, they can certainly call. Our phone number is 919-742-3111. The town of Siler City on their website should have information about how to contact us. I've, if We're not here five days a week, so if you do call and no one answers, please leave a message and we will call you back. The police department knows about our services. Salvation Army knows. Um, um, the nonprofit organization here in Chatham County is cl- working very closely together with each other to make our presence known in the county. We hope we can get this information out. We've sent it to churches. We have it broadcast on the radio station here, WNCA, which is another good resource to find out hmm. Very good. our information. Excellent, Diane. And let me ask you about volunteering. So if we have some folks listening today who are thinking that they don't live so far from Siler City, and this may be a good opportunity for them to volunteer, what types of volunteers does the organization need and how can people get plugged into that? We need volunteers who can have, who have muscle. We have boxes that have to be lifted with food in, in the boxes that can be heavy at times. We have to weigh these items, check for expiration dates, and then put them wherever they belong, whether it's on the shelf, in the cooler, in the freezer. Um, we also need volunteers to pack the bags. We need volunteers to check clients in and write up their request, their food request when they come in. And we have to, we, we deliver the food to the patient, to the client's cars. The clients come there on site and you have a volunteer who takes a box of food, for instance, to their car. Is that correct? Yes, but it's usually a lot more than one box. Yes, yes. It's a whole long cart of food. (laughs) Yes, excellent. And how about food donations? If someone wants to donate food or if churches want to get involved, who do they need to contact and do you have needs for that? Yes, we do. And we 
they can just bring it here during our operating hours on those three days. And we'll be glad to take it and, and they need a receipt for it. We can do that. We can give them the weight so they can keep up with what they donate. We had a local school yesterday who, um, elementary school who delivered 700 pounds of food. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. We, we served 126 individuals yesterday in two hours and gave out 2,200 pounds of food. Wow. Wow. That goes so quickly. That's, that's, that's amazing. You, you guys do just tremendous work and, uh, and you're just seeing the need continue to grow. Yes, it has escalated a lot in the last two to three months. Well, yeah. And, and here we are, you know, we're coming up on the end of the year here in, in 2022 and the beginning of a new year in 2023. And yes, inflation is is making those food prices and everything really go up. So I'm, I'm sure the need is is getting even greater. It is. It always is this time of year with the holidays. Well, Diane, thank you so much for being with us today on Reconnect. You do so much for the community that you're in. And Randolph Electric has as one of our core values, commitment to community. And one of the ways that we want to show that is through the Sharing Success Community Grant Program. So thank you for always putting together an excellent application. And thank you for the people that you serve. And thank you for um, for having a servant's heart for them. Thank you, Nicole, for giving us the ability to be able to do what we love to do here and that's serve people. You've been listening to reconnect the Randolph electric podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you for joining us for Randolph EMC reconnect. We look forward to bringing you more engaging content in the future.